Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Brum Radio Book Show. You're here with me, Mike Gale. And me, Blake Woodham. And uh, we'll be talking about all things bookish in the West Midlands and in the wider world. Um, because we have fans everywhere, I believe. Isn't that right? We do. We're very popular in Australia right now. Fantastic. Hello or good day to you. <laughs> or, the, or the middle of the night, yeah. whatever it is. And um, it's summer there, so um, frankly, we are all envious. We're, we're probably just lost our, our, our Australian listener there uh, with our, <laughs> our, our racial stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, racial stereotypes. Well, they're all down the Barbie, probably throwing a shrimp and shooting a kangaroo or something. Not our bookish types. They'll be all in Melbourne and they'll be all dressed in black and doing sophisticated things with coffee. Or Sydney. Or Sydney, <laughs> indeed. Uh, anyway, um, we're here to talk about books uh, and all things bookish. And. Um, don't forget, you can uh, you can email us at at Brum Radio Book underscore Books. That's the Twitter. <coughs> you can Twitter us, yes, mm-hmm. or you can email us at bookclub at brumradio.com. That's right. Anyway, uh, it's an interactive show, uh, and this week we're going to be looking at uh, oh, Liam Brown. Mm. He's our book of the month, isn't it? That's right. Liam Brown's novel Broadcast, which is a nice tie-in with our theme tune, which is performed by Broadcast. Oh, of course, yes, a local band. And uh, it says on the cover, a Truman, I presume, we presumed, as we were discussing this beforehand, a Truman show-like, actually I suppose that's why it is, a Truman show-like nightmare for the YouTube generation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like two, It's like the Truman show a bit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, we should also mention uh, in advance, apologies if there's, it sounds like we're in the middle of a building site today. That's that is because, because we are. We <laughs> literally are. <laughs> the, the whole building that we're in here in Digbeth is being renovated. Um, and it's all going to be sparkling and fabulous and new, but there is a bit of banging and drilling and so forth going on. So if you do hear that going on in the background, we're not actually outside. Yeah. It just might sound like It's that. actually us. We're pretending to be real men doing a bit of... Uh, Stuff with two befores. Yeah, yeah, that's going to end well. <laughs> Bookish nerds. Uh, so, are. yes, we've we've also got a regular blog spot feature, uh, and this month it's Valerie O'Reardon, uh from the Bookmunch blog, and she's going to be talking about new releases in the literary fiction world. Mm. Um, strongly recommend you look at that blog and indeed all our blog contributors um, there's a huge community out there of people fascinated by books and giving a lot of their time and energy um, there's some really interesting stuff so um, if you like us um, look at them as well uh, we also have Rebecca from Waterstones hello Rebecca hello nice to be here lovely to have you um, do we know what Stuart's doing? Do we, where is Stuart? Is he? No, unfortunately, we had a little chat, but it wasn't the clearest line. But yes, I think he's just otherwise engaged today. So. Oh right, <laughs> Stuart's got better things to do. <laughs> we miss you, Stuart. We hope to see you soon. Um, and of course, we've got Catherine O'Flynn in the studio, who we'll be talking to later, and she'll be reviewing uh, Sally Rooney's uh, debut novel, which, which is called. Very- Conversations with friends. Sorry, I was going to say hello, and then you threw me by saying that. Sorry. Asking me a question. Yes, hello. Hello. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so we'll be talking about that later. So, Blake. How have things been with you? They've been great. I've, um, I've, I've been, I've been slept in a yurt this month. Oh right, okay. Um, and uh, that's transformed me. I sat in, um, completely disconnected from the world of, of connectivity, with no Wi-Fi or anything, um, and I'm um, just read books in a yurt. It felt pretty amazing, actually. And is a, is a year a good place to read books? What it's a beautiful reading? place to book to read books, actually. Um, I read a number of books. Um, the one I read, Blake Crouch's Dark Matter, uh, purely because obviously he's got a great name, um, and uh, that was that was really good. Um, um, and uh, I read um, a ghost story called The House of Spines by um, Michael Malone, who's a Scottish writer. Who's it's a brilliant kind of gothic kind of. Um, a bit like Rebecca, um, the the 
the novel, not the uh, the person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dark and sinister. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I really enjoyed that. And again, you know, it, I was yurting whilst Hurricane Brian was blasting through. So oh, was, you do beat your time. It was perfect, kind of, you know, incredibly wind. And we were on this uh, Welsh hillside where there were sheep all around. It was uh, it was quite something else. So yeah, so experiencing uh, gothic fiction as it was meant to be experienced Sounds by Candlelight. Sounds fantastic. Uh, what about you? What have you been up to? Well, I, I, I've been um, I, obviously I've continued on my pursuit of reading absolutely terrible thrillers, <laughs> and um, and I have been ara- in, enraged by uh, yet another one. It's the same thing. I, I feel like I'm a broken record, but I'm going to continue reading them for as long as people continue to publish them. Great first half, makes no sense after that. Mm. It's just rubbish. Please, please, please. Are you going to name names on this one? No, I can't. I can't. I, I, you, you, the thing is, I, I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, I should be bold. I should actually, I should out these people. As has become sort of, you know, because it's mm. in the air, isn't it, outing people uh, for their crimes. But then um, I, I just thought, oh, no, I'll have to bump into them at some, some <laughs> fancy do. And I'll, I'll get smacked in the face and it'll be, it'll be a whole thing. Um, well, it's funny you said, because um, what I liked about that Blake, Blake Crouch book I was talking about, Dark Matter, was that was very much a high concept that actually delivered. So Fantastic. The premise of that is a man kind of, you know, with his perfect life, um, suddenly waking up and discovering um, he's actually not who he thinks he is and um, you know all of his reality is being questioned. Um, and then it follows through, which is something that doesn't usually happen, where the, all the following stuff is fascinating, interesting. It's about uh, the choices that he's made in his life and are they um, you know, the right ones and stuff, and it's really, um, really fantastic. So that's one that does do the business Brilliant. i also read um the light that we lo- uh, the light that we lost is that right the light we lost the light we lost by jill santapolo which i really enjoyed actually it's, it's a sort of um a sort of an american take on one day set against the a backdrop of 9-11 and um it was really enjoyable really well written uh a really really nice debut um i've also uh so my, my new book uh uh, I've got time for it. I have got time for it, but I can't remember it. Um, um, <laughs> this is oh, the world of publishing. The, yeah, no, it, it's called The Man I Think I Know, and it's not out, due out until April. But I've um, maybe we can talk about this with with, with Catherine uh, a little bit later. But I've my my publishers literally make me write to other authors and say, "Will you give us the quote?" and um, it's a really interesting thing to put yourself through. I mean, there's many humiliations that you can go through as an author. Um, I, I think right up there for me is is doing a book signing in Sainsbury's in Northfield. Um, <laughs> no one coming. Uh, oh, no, no, I, I had people come. Okay, well, I had at least two people come. Um, it, it was mainly the, the people from the butcher's counter coming over and, and kind of saying, oh, oh, I could tell you a few stories. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but the next notch down is actually writing begging letters to other authors. Please, will you review this? Uh, you know, would you say something nice about this? And it, it's 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 an it's an interesting thing. I think I'll talk about it a little bit more later with with Catherine. But um, do you get sent those? People ask. I get sent those as well. as well. Yes, as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think it's always important to be to be gracious. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. But yes. Uh, so um, and I've been preparing. I've, I'm going to be doing some teaching uh, next year. So I'm teaching at. Um, I'm doing an Arvon course next August uh, with Chris Mamby, and uh, I'm also teaching at uh, the East Midlands Writing East Midlands. I'm going to be teaching uh, an introduction to. Um, writing a novel so I'm, I'm doing that in I think February uh, so I've been doing some sort of research for that and stuff because I'm not a natural teacher oh, I disagree but there we go mm. and this of course means that we're about to talk to Stuart no Becca <laughs> 
How are you? Becca from Woodstones. Uh, I'm really, really good. It's really nice to be here. It's fantastic to have you here. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, we've missed you. <laughs> Becca and I, you bring, you bring something special to the show, I feel. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Becca and I discovered an unlikely connection oh, when we chatted the other day that we, uh, we were at school together. Never. Well, we were, we Rebecca were. was a lot younger yes. than me, so I think she was just starting whilst I was leaving sixth form. But we were at the same school. Are you, yes. fr- are you from Derby? Derby? Yes, I'm from Derby, and we bumped into each other on the train the other morning. Going, I was off to work, and Blake was off to Derby, and I said, "Oh, well, I'm from Derby." And we got chatting and discovered, yes, we had been school and shared some of the same teachers mm. and. It's yeah, so so Becca is Facebook oh, friends world. with some of my old teachers, which is quite an odd, an yes, odd uh, thing to discover. Yeah. Is that is, are you a little bit sad that they didn't invite you to be Facebook friends? Uh, no, I, I didn't necessarily, um, you know, distinguish myself that much <laughs> at school. Um, anyway, um, Rebecca yes, is yeah, here to talk to about. Um, you are responsible for a number of the events that are taking place at yeah. Waterstones. Well, yes, I'm. Um, there's some fantastic things coming up. The, the team have been working really hard on setting up. So we've got Henry Blofeld, the cricket commentator. He's coming in today actually to sign. So any cricket fans, it starts at 12.30. I'd definitely get down to meet him. Really interesting guy. And then, of course, we've got the Brum Radio Poets tomorrow night at mm. 7 o'clock. So that looks like it's going to be a really, really exciting event. And then on Friday, we've got Andrew Michael Hurley in, who's the author of Deloney, which, of course, won the cost of, of course, debut. Yeah, yeah. And it's, he's in to talk about his new novel, Devil's Day. So and that starts at six thirty, mm. and I know Blake's interviewing. I'm really looking forward to working that band. So it's I, really, I have really to say, exciting. it's a fantastic book. Oh, really, really, really good book. Very, very atmospheric, terrifying. Frankly, yeah. <laughs> it was really, really creepy. Um, it's a, it's a kind of. Um, he, he's been doing a lot of events talking around kind of tribes of Britain, and I think similar to the Loney, it's sort of set in this kind of. Uh, it's, in, it's set in this sort of Yorkshire, uh, sorry, Lancashire farm community where everything's basically just fixed in aspic and nothing has changed the way that people live their lives for generations and it's just really kind of unnerving that this, this kind of place can exist as a kind of out of time you know little kind of uh, enclave wow. um, so yeah I would I'm looking forward to that it should be good fun he has a great ability I think to create so much tension mm. in his novels it's just a fantastic read mm. but one of those uh, read with the lights <laughs> very very bright and probably go to sleep with them on as don't, well don't read, don't read it in a year. no <laughs> that is our advice um, so uh, anything else that you're looking forward to um, yeah, I mean, we've got a June Sarpong event as well. Um, oh, what's June doing? Uh, she's talking about her new novel. It's going to be really exciting. It's already sold out, unfortunately, for anyone who uh, has missed getting tickets. But that looks like it's going to be really good. That's on Friday the 17th. Um, what's what's the book about? Do you know? Um, it's a sort of got a feminist vibe to it, but it's, it looks to be a really, really interesting read. I haven't had a chance to get my hands on a copy yet. Oh, uh, right, OK. Hopefully soon, cross fingers. So, And then Dave Hill... Um, he from Slade. He'll be signing oh. with us as well. So yeah, his autobiography is finally <laughs> yeah, finally yeah. out. And then we've also got Brandon Sanderson, who's a fantastic fantasy writer. Absolutely brilliant stuff. He's in signing on Wednesday, twenty ninth of November at twelve thirty. So are you expecting yeah. that to be? Um, I was going to use the word sci-fi nerds, but I'm not allowed because Blake's doing that thing. But um, <laughs> are you expecting cues of sci-fi fans? Hopefully, always hopefully, but it yeah. just depends on how busy a day it is for people getting out of work and of things. Course, so yeah, yeah exciting. Yeah. So. And what about you? What are, what are you reading yourself? I'm actually reading a book called The Silent Companions, which is the BBC Two Radio Book Club book at the moment. It's a really, really good gothic read. Again, another one. I think there's so many great sort of ghost stories and gothic style novels out at the moment, and that's by Lucy Purcell. Really worth picking up a copy if you haven't already but it's basically all about a young woman who's recently married recently widowed and has to leave london due to the scandal created by her husband's early death and go back to his estate in the countryside and she believes she's going to be there with just a few servants and her her widow uh, her dead husband's cousin but when she gets there, she starts finding out there's a little more to the house than they thought. 
So lots dun, of rooms, dun, dun, that's wooden sounds dollies, brilliant. all sorts of oh, weird and gothic things this going is, on. This so is definitely really, the run up to really Christmas good. with yeah. all this stuff, isn't it? I've got a few, uh, uh, just a, a, a couple of other things to sort of mention. Uh, there's a, a, a one day short course on how to be a poet. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> oh, Mike, Mike biting his tongue here. Um, Stuart is rolling in his, well, not his grave. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, that that is, I'm not even sure where that's happening. But, um, <laughs> so that's um, good. Enjoy that. And, um, but it is being run by Joe Bell and Joe Kamane. And also uh, there's, um, there's a, a mini masterclass on writing, on screenwriting actually. Um, it's been run by Andy Conway, who I know, and he's a lovely chap. He's also he writes some some novels as well, and that's at uh, BCU Curzon at nine pm. The um, I've just looked up the How to Be a Poet uh, event, by the way. That is run by Nine Arches Press, and it is um, Saturday the fourth of November, which is actually in the past. Um, so um, unfortunately, yeah. we have. It was amazing. <laughs> we have missed that one. Sorry, I, I, I was. Lit- I literally read that last bit as I said it. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be facetious. Um, there is an event on tomorrow as well. The suppressed stories of Myanmar uh, conversation with L- uh, Letyar Tun, who is a he's a translator, writer, and photojournalist, and he's going to be at Aston University tomorrow, six till seven thirty, um, talking about um, a new British. A council collection called Hidden Words and Hidden Worlds Contemporary Short Stories from Myanmar. So that looked interesting as well. So lots of good stuff coming up. Right, and so uh, it's time for us now to focus on our book club book of the month. Uh, and it's broadcast by Liam Brown, mm-hmm. uh, a Truman show like nightmare for the YouTube generation. Um, I, I believe Liam's a, a, a local author, isn't he? That's right, yes, uh, Sally Oak Way. And his, one of his uh, previous novels was actually set in Cannon Hill Park. Um, he mentioned how he had to camp out there uh, for research. That otherwise. is a brave man I right know, there. I know, I know. Um, but we do have an introduction from him of what the, the book's about, so let's get it from his mouth. Okay, hello, so my name's Liam Brown. Uh, my novel Broadcast, which came out uh, on the 15th of September, uh, tells the story of David, who is a celebrity YouTuber who is invited to take part in a brand new online reality show uh, where a chip is implanted into his brain and it streams uh, his every thought, emotion and memory live 24 hours a day. And the novel goes on then to explore obviously what a terrible idea that is a couple of people have uh, referred to it as sort of an update of the faustian myth so a guy sells his soul or in this case his brain um for riches and fame and again i think it, it's i've been told uh, that it resonates it resonates really well with a lot of things that are going on um kind of globally and in the media at the moment sounds fantastic yes it is it's um it's a uh, one of those stories that you, it might not seem that you know, necessarily that original idea, this idea of, you know, obviously we have seen the Truman Show, which very much goes in yeah. the same kind of vein, but it, it's very much about the social media mechanisms of that and the whole kind of YouTube thing. I mean, Rebecca, you know from, from when you have events at Waterstones, yeah. these YouTubers, the queues are out the door, aren't they, when they're, these vloggers come in? They're absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the excitement and the interest around them is just huge and... You know, you sort of you see these crowds of young people who are just so animated and so intrigued by everything they've got to say. It's a real, and it really does matter to their lives. I mean, like having children myself, I know how much they follow different YouTubers and how excited they get when they put a new video on. And so, yeah, it is really exciting. I feel slightly baffled by the by the whole concept, to be honest. I mean, I, I've seen them mm. and I know of them, and obviously they 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 like to monetize the thing by having books out. But I always think I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, but it's, it's a really it's a huge phenomenon. Yeah, and I think that's why you know we were talking about how you know a lot of novelists are approaching it, and and absolutely they should be because it is such a huge thing. These, I mean, my kids just they don't watch they barely watch TV programs that are been made in a traditional studio. They'd much rather watch somebody. You know, basically, with their you know talking into their phone, um, and these people, their personalities are really important, and they, and that's what this book is about. They talk about absolutely everything. You know, if they're thinking something, they'll just say it. 
and they'll do it online and they'll do it live um, and there's no it feels like there's no filter and I think that might be what the appeal is you know it's feel like you really are getting into someone's head and what Ian Brown does so well in this book is takes that to the you know to the ultimate extreme of game what is it really like being in someone, someone's head and knowing everything they're thinking all the time so we have an interview uh, with Liam so we'll uh, play the first part now and then we'll come back and talk a bit more fantastic about and you mentioned there it obviously it's a bad thing I'm intrigued to hear you say that because it's not necessarily how a lot of people would see it a lot of people do share everything already yeah absolutely um, I think well, I'm slightly conflicted about the the issue. I, I don't want to come across as a kind of an anti-progressive Luddite, some guy who's still kind of sending his messages via pigeon post or smoke signals. I, I do use the internet. I do use social media. So I think the thing that gets me about social media is it kind of speaks to the worst of uh, worst of humanity in some ways, in the sense that it's clearly addictive. It definitely kind of speaks to our narcissism and our vanity and our need for approval and our insecurities. Um, and the other thing is, it's the exact opposite of the kind of the mindfulness movement. So we're no longer living in the moment. Um, when we're online, we're always thinking about how things are framed and how things are going to, you know, if you want for, for a better word, how they're going to play with our, with our market, our own personal market. So, you know, the happiest days of our lives, our wedding days, the birth of our children. Um, we're there kind of taking photos and, and pushing them up online. And, it, it, you know, it kind of trivializes these things to some extent. You know, I lost my, my granddad a few weeks ago and, and I found myself there, you know, posting a picture online and, you know, I kind of wonder about the psychology of that. What am I, what am I really trying to achieve? What do, what do I need? Am I there harvesting cry faces and heart symbols? So, so that, that's one side of it. And I guess what I've done in the novel is there's a couple of characters and I try and get the balance. And the other side, I guess, is, you know, the positive side of social media is it democratizes the whole process. I'm a writer in, in, in Birmingham, it's a, you know, a medium sized city on earth. And yet I can. A large global city. A large global city, a metropolitan hub. But I, I can, you know, I can speak to people all across the world and, and get my voice out. And that's, you know, so many books are published, you know, every year. And so it's amazing really that I can get online and speak to people and interact with readers, which is something I do on a daily basis. Um, so I guess what I'm saying to you, Blake, is uh, I'm a big fat hypocrite and uh, I'm very confused and conflicted and I've just worked it out in, you know, 60,000 words. Just had a big argument with myself. You're a novelist and a novelist is there to, to share everything uh, on the page or, or is that not an uh, accurate description of, of a novelist, do you think? Yeah, 100%. That's like a, exactly as I was walking here today, I was wondering whether or not you were going to hit me with the fact that, you know, what is a novel if not a 60,000 word Facebook post, a, a, an unsolicited opinion writ large? Um, again, uh, I'm just sounding like a terrible hypocrite here, so... <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Brum Radio, and that was Liam Brown talking about his book, um, Broadcast. You may recognise the start of that recording from a few seconds earlier. <laughs> Apologies for playing that uh, little bit uh, twice. That was, uh, I, I do like that, that, that bit that he said there about uh, what is a novel except a 60,000 uh, word Facebook post. Um, yeah, well, this is, this is interesting because... Um, Jonathan Franson um, recently wrote an article, you know, you know how he tends to be quite iconoclastic about stuff, yeah. and talking about how um, social media is all about, um, you know, sort of basically people thinking that everyone should be interested in the micro narratives of their lives. And I saw a tweet that someone said yeah, that is also a description of the novel. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's that's the thing. And I think that Liam does that very well in this in this novel. Is he doesn't present it as, you know, uh, unambiguously that these people are idiots or, or or totally narcissistic it's about that kind of like well you know that is what we all do and yeah. that's what a novel is a novel is as essentially as he says it's an unsolicited facebook post it's, it's just this is what i think about the world um in, in, in a very similar sort of way um obviously recently uh, facebook have just not facebook twitter have just put their word count up to 270 280 is it 280 and you know people are up in arms and you know that i've seen various posts where people are saying well you know you have seen the novel, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's will blow your mind. Yes, <laughs> but we we are very used to this kind of kind of micro micro worded culture mm. and and kind of editing ourselves and kind of putting broadcasting out there. Well, one of the things that um, that I really liked in the novel is is the way in which the, we see the the main character as being somewhat. You know, he's he's lived his life in this way. He is a, a producer of this stuff, but obviously also a consumer. And when he first meets the the kind of 
sort of internet Svengali character who is uh, sort of orchestrating this this scheme. He doesn't believe it's really him because he doesn't look like him um, because he's used to seeing him online. And when he sees him, he's like, well, this guy isn't right because he's rougher and a bit older and a bit more haggard, so it can't be him. Uh, and it's because, you know, these guys have got to this state where the reality is actually what they see through this edited, filtered, Instagrammed kind of reality rather than flesh and blood. And it's, it's, that's how the novel then goes off into the exploration of actually, if, you, if reality to you is always seen through social media uh, and all this kind of extra edited stuff, what actually is reality? It sounds a lot like my author photo, which is 10 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why does he look so old now? <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that, but I think yeah. Mike looks very good. He's dressed, we've been commenting on the fact that Mike is dressed like a poet today. Yes, I, in, I'd like to put it over here. Stuart's not here to appreciate it. But. Uh, well, um, but yeah, so um, yes, I, I really... Um, I really found that an interesting, interesting part of this novel. I think it's it's it, it's a story. This whole thing, and we've talked about this off air. This idea of social media as a subject for young writers, you know, it, I don't understand why they write about anything else. Frankly, no, I, I can I can completely see it, and I can completely see why it's a, it's a valid thing to talk about. What I'm interested in is this idea of broadcasting every thought. I mean, is it completely unfiltered? Do you? you really get a sense of who this person is in the, the, the character is in the, in the book? Yeah, well, I think how he... The, the character is, is you know, is, is pretty shallow and narcissistic, so he doesn't really think about what the implications of it will be. You yeah. know, he thinks he does it anyway. He thinks, I just share all my thoughts anyway because I just go online and I tweet it and I do all that. And it's only when the reality comes of, well, what if there really is nowhere to hide? And, it, and it's, it's his kind of realisation of how artificial his presentation is and how filtered it is even though he doesn't yeah. think it is um, and and the way that the novel is structured sort of reflects that so it actually flips between third person and first person narrative to actually kind of um, you know to sort of reflect that uh, and uh, as he starts off and, it, and it's only starting to work you know he can he discovers that he can consciously manipulate this by if he if he really thinks about um, a pizza then a pizza will appear in in his feed and the the pizza companies will deliver it in order to get the free publicity uh and as i read that i thought i wonder you know wonder how realistic that is so i <laughs> i on twitter said um you know i'm feeling really i was you know, having a bad day i'm feeling a bit down at the moment anyone cheer me up and uh that day someone delivered a book of poems here to the studio um as a result of me tweeting this and it was some you know nice uplifting poetry so in the tiniest micro-celebrity that uh, we have here on the Brum Radio Book Show works, uh, I can entirely believe it works for a major vlogger too. What you are missing, uh, it being radio, is the, <laughs> the glance between Catherine and I at the, the idea of being cheered up by poetry. Um, but I'm, I'm sure people somebody, are. Somebody made the effort. It was very, very, very nice. Yes, it, it was, was, very, it was very, very warm. But any, anyway, um, we've got more to hear from um, mm. Liam, haven't we? We've got our second part of um, the interview. And he's going to be talking about what sort of things? Um, um, I can't remember now. He's going to be talking about the way that we consume it and the idea of um, what's it like to share uh, a book with an unlikable protagonist. Because, you know, this book is very much about getting inside the head of someone that isn't necessarily someone's head you want to get inside. He's not a serial killer, but he's, he's pretty shallow. Um, so we, we discussed that. So let's have a go. Here on the Brum Radio Book Show, we do a lot of events um, with, with, with writers. The, the events that have the queues around the block, the events that have the, the security and the screaming fans are the vloggers, are the, you know, the YouTube stars. These are the stars of today. Do you think this is a permanent state of affairs? This idea of, you know, as you put it as democratization, but this idea that anyone can become a star, is this, is this the new reality, do you think? You know, I think this, it's a fantastic thing. Um, in, in that sense that vlogging, you, you, all you need is um, a webcam or a mobile phone and you can just be sat in your bedroom and you can broadcast live to the world. And the traditional gatekeepers, those people who said, oh, you, you're not qualified or you haven't you know, been to RADA, you, you're, you're not good enough to, to get your voice out there, your opinions don't matter or aren't valid, it, that's no longer the case. Um, and I think that can only be a good thing. Having said that, 
I worry sometimes about the the quality of the content that that attracts the biggest audiences. When I was writing broadcast, I watched endless hours of, of vloggers. Um, so you kind of your Zoellas and you, your Ollie Whites introduced to me by my twelve year old son, incidentally. You know, <laughs> completely new to me. And I, I watched hours and hours, and I found a lot of uh, quite engaging people out there uh, who could definitely kind of hold my attention while they spoke. But what they were speaking about, quite often, it was kind of they were. I guess elevating the insignificant in the sense that it was they'd come back from the shops and it's like this is what I've bought today and I just think you've got that amazing platform you've got those millions of people out there you know who are all watching you you could talk about something you know you could talk about the environment or, or kind of what's going on in America or, or you know any any kind of major world issue um, and instead you're talking about what you bought from the shop the, the counter to that of course would be but that's what you know, that's what garners the clicks that's what gets the views and therefore if we believe in the kind of democratization of culture and the idea that anyone can, uh, you know, like what they like and there's nothing wrong with it, then maybe people do like shopping. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if people know what they want. Um, I think Henry Ford said, uh, you know, if I'd asked people what they wanted, there would have been a, a horse with a rocket attached, something like faster that. Faster horse. A faster yeah. horse, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've got more faith in people. I think, I think people, um, if exposed to kind of big ideas, they'd like that too. But I mean, going back to what you said about that's what generates the clicks. I mean, I just find that, I don't know, profoundly depressing in some ways. And then that trickles down to every aspect of their lives. And that's all we become, just these kind of people who are kind of trying to get more clicks and trying to get more eyes on pages, which essentially is more kind of advertising revenue for, for whoever's running the show at the top. So, you know, we're just kind of farming out our lives to to advertisers. So. The digital world moves very fast. Whilst you're writing the novel, did anything happen to, to change the direction of it? I mean, I think that's the nice thing about setting a novel just slightly in the future. And like a lot of speculative fiction, I hope that broadcast speaks, although it's set in the future, speaks about now. One of the, the, the reasons I actually set out and wrote the novel was one of the first books I really fell in love with was kind of 1984 I guess like a lot of 12, 13 year olds however old I was when I first read it and then that led me on to sort of Brave New World uh, 451 Fahrenheit all these kind of dystopianish, totalitarian novels and they're all very prophetic and they kind of speak about things that are, you know it, it, a lot of what or- Orwell wrote about in 1984 has famously come to pass but I don't think he really foresaw social media and and the, the fact that we kind of share things on the level that we do and I, I think that that was something I was really keen to tap into uh, with broadcast the main character in broadcast is, is no is called Callow do you think that we are naive? Do you think that people don't really... Is this stuff so new that we don't really understand how to use it? I think the main character of broadcast is certainly naive because, I mean, I, I don't know about yourself, but the idea of streaming my thoughts and having kind of no place left for privacy is terrifying. And yet I wonder if actually that's where we are heading as a society. I was reading, well, it's a well-known fact that we're captured sort of 300 times a day on CCTV. Everything we do online is already monitored. And I guess the last safe the last safe place uh, is is inside our heads so maybe it is just a logical step that that's that's where we're going to end up and uh, there will be nowhere left to hide as they say the the minecast technology to chip implanted in the character david callow's head um and records everything uh, is that based on any reality is this something we actually should be uh, see coming down the pipe if you've done any research into that yeah i did a, a lot of research when i was writing the novel it really bugs me when i read a book and i think ah, that doesn't happen that doesn't that's not the case at all so i didn't want you know some neuroscientist on the off chance to pick up my novel and just think this this was bunkum so i think in theory it could happen we could look at people's uh, brain patterns and work out what they're thinking about and i think actually there's already technology people are already doing that However, if if you're asking whether or not I can picture a world where everyone's thoughts are unfiltered and just kind of spewed out in a stream of whatever comes into their head and is kind of pasted up for the world to see, I think basically you only need to go on Twitter and uh, we're already there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're listening to the Brum Radio Show. Um, that was the second part of our interview with our Book of the Month uh, author, uh, Liam Brown, author of Broadcast. Please, uh, please, 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 don't forget you can interact with us. Um, you can tweet us at, at brumradio underscore books or email us at bookclub at brumradio.com. Now, before we uh, talk about uh, everything that Liam's uh, just uh, spoken about there, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, our, our usual guest, Catherine O'Flynn. How are you, Catherine? I'm quite well, thank you, Mike. 
Thank you for asking. <laughs> always, always polite. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Um, how, how did your working class thing go? Ah, well, it was better than I thought, actually. I yeah. have to admit, I was dreading just, it. Just what was it? Just for the, so yes, the audience was, might think yeah. you just meant, what, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, being working class. So um, I contributed a story um, to uh, an anthology called um, Know Your Place, which was published by Dead Inc., a kind of crowdfunding anthology. Seen some reviews. Very yeah, good. Yeah, which is kind of supposed to be writers f- from the working class and then Birmingham Literary Festival put an event with um, myself and two other contributors to the anthology to talk about it and I was kind of dreading it because you know I don't really go around thinking of myself as working class and I had this idea that maybe yeah. I'd be cross-examined by members of the audience. Are you like, not taking the coal out of the bath every, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. every evening? And you know it's such a it's yeah it's a very nuanced complicated thing you know I didn't I didn't volunteer for this anthology someone suggested I was like oh right okay so you see me as working class yeah. <laughs> okay so, but um but it was really nice because the other two writers were very similar you know uh one Gina Moore Barrett I was talking to her afterwards and she was like god I was terrified that people were going to start cross-examining me and, you know what? I grew up on a council estate but then I went to a grammar school what does that mean am I working class am I not working class? exactly and so um it was nice because it was much more nuanced and actually what mainly the audience asked about and what we talked about which was really brilliant was what foods give you away, give you a sort of class or sort of origin away. You know, so like I was saying, I've, I really like, uh, and I give my kids lots of stuff that my friends find really weird. I give them Angel Delight. And, yeah. <laughs> and we were all talking about how this kind of, you don't necessarily class, but something about your upbringing really comes out in your food preferences. And Definitely. Yeah. And, it's, and it's that comfort thing as well. Yeah. That I yeah. know that, you know, people just like, Right, you have a bad day, open a tin of rice pudding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, just, just takes you straight back. It's stuff that comes in tins, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tins and yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we were talking uh, about broadcast and uh, Liam, Bro- Liam Brooks' book. And I, I was just wondering, if you were starting out writing now, do you think that this would be a subject that sort of YouTube, reality TV would be the sort of place that you jump in? I think I think so. I mean, I think it's something that I guess we're all kind of we're all grappling with, aren't we? I mean, in some ways, if I was starting out now, maybe I would. You know, you might not notice it so much. It's part of the background mm. of your life. It's. I think it probably stands out more to people of our generation who you just think, Christ Almighty, you know, things have changed a lot in the oh, last. Yeah, it you is. know, and um, I was just saying, I was read an article yesterday by someone called James Bridal called "Something Is Wrong in the Internet," and it was it was tweeted around a lot, and. Um, that kind of terrified me because it was just about the endless proliferation of uh, of stuff on YouTube. How you might have one thing that people like and it, you know, mutates and mutates and mutates and ends up in very dark places. And when I finished reading it, it really made me feel like we're already there. The robots are already in control. Mm, We've already yeah. lost our. It's too late. There's no turning back. Well, this is, I mean, obviously the, the whole kind of fake news thing yeah. and this idea that the elections can be... I mean, I, f- I find this whole just debate around the kind of election kind of hijacking really interesting because what, what we're not saying is we're not saying that, you know, that um, the r- ballots have been rigged and ballot boxes have been stuffed. What we're saying is people's minds have been changed. Yeah. You know, people. Not, we're not saying that people didn't actually vote the way they voted, but their minds have been changed by this media, and that is a very weird concept because obviously we always assume that we we assume that the, the the media as it was did that but now we don't know who's doing it it's a very odd and why yeah yeah, yeah. it's a really um, a really fascinating thing and as i say i think this this novel really gets to that idea because again when you get to this this sort of central point of um if there being no filter and anyone can see into your mind um you know can is that does that make you un- incredibly manipulable and it, the story has sort of three stages and it, and, it, and it talks about you know it's it's not just that he has got no privacy it's also that he can be he can be manipulated completely because he can't hide what he thinks yeah. everyone knows everything about and this obviously ties into this whole idea of big data and the fact that we share so much that advertisers know so much about us mm. you know that's he's he's in this situation where when he's being manipulated by this kind of the baddie character in this uh you know he, he can't hide anywhere you, you mentioned this, this kind of bunny character. I mean, do you want to share some more about that with us? Or? Well, yeah, it's just that he, the, well, essentially, um, you know, the main the main character in this is this kind of, as I said, this naive YouTuber. But then there's this shadowy figure behind who is manipulating the kind of the internet. Um, and what is interesting about him is he physically changes uh, his appearance a lot and actually 
whilst everyone else is kind of ru- sw- swimming around in this sewer of the internet, he's actually separate from it. He doesn't actually kind of uh, uh, interact with it in the way, you know. And that's the whole thing is that, you know, again, our central character thinks something, everyone knows it, um, and, th- and thinks that's normal. Um, whereas the, the real brains behind it it's got lots of secrets and isn't doing that and it's it's kind of a uh, good sort of um counterpoint to our hero slash hapless i'm not sure who's villain but he's interesting interesting having this central character that you may immediately think i hate this person yeah i don't want i don't care what happens to them um to really caring what happens about them at the end um, and realizing that it's just he's just a product of his time uh, sign of good writing and so we, we've got our third and final part of our uh, interview with liam brown um talking more about broadcast the, the character david in the novel um unlikable i think would be a a fair description of him yeah i mean i, I never want to read a book where i like the characters <laughs> oh. um I, I mean if you think i mean sort of capturing the rye holden caulfield do we like do we like him uh patrick Bake, bateman american psycho certainly don't like him um, and yet we can't take our eyes off these off mm. these people and i think you know to enjoy a book we don't necessarily have to to like a character that's not to say he's kind of he's hateable i think he's just very naive um and and obviously you know pretty vain and not that smart um but you know ultimately i, I felt sorry for him by the end of the book i was writing it and i kind of felt sorry to put him through the ringer quite so much it's interesting because obviously whilst you were presumably writing the book or, or in the post process there has been quite a lot of controversy recently or, or publicity around vloggers bloggers internet celebrities being incredibly objectionable and largely it seems laughing it off uh, i don't know if that if that if that's something you agree with. do you think these people are are kind of somehow held up to to lower standards i think possibly and i think it goes back to the fact that you know there's no such thing as bad publicity the sense that you can be kind of as obnoxious as possible and you're probably still going to get the headlines over the kind of mr or mrs nice person it's interesting as i say the digital world moving so fast if you wrote the book if you started the book today do you think it would be different Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And, and certainly nobody, at uh, least of all me, I think, saw um, Trump um, getting to the position that, that he holds now. Um, but I guess, and that's the, the amazing power of hindsight, kind of looking back, I guess, you know, isn't he the, the perfect president for our, for our troubled and disturbing narcissistic times? <laughs> now, the, the novel itself is, is relatively short in the world of speculative fiction where width is often king. It seems to me that that's a very appropriate way to address social media, which is, you know, usually every uh, character counts. Again, was that a, a conscious decision? Yeah, I mean, trying to get anyone to read more than 140 characters these days is certainly <laughs> a challenge. In myself included, I, I kind of think ADHD is catching. And I think um, kind of the way we consume literature online, just kind of reading words online is, is part of that. Um, because, you know, you get to the next underlined blue paragraph and you click on that and you back down the next wormhole. So, yeah, it was a deliberate choice to write a short novel. In fact, I, I almost wanted to kind of make every chapter no more than a paragraph. That's almost how I'm consuming things these days. So I, I really like really short, kind of punchy novels. I read uh, The Power by Naomi Alderman recently, and I noticed as well that she wrote really super short chapters um, and kind of jumped around all over the place. And I thought it mimicked really nicely uh, the experience of reading literature online and text online. So, yeah, I'm all for short books and now you're a Birmingham writer. Does uh, does the city play any part in your writing? Would you say? I think Birmingham's a great place to come from if, if you're going to be a writer. Just the way Brummies talk. You go to any pub in, in Birmingham and you'll hear someone banging out a great story. I think there's kind of like a natural lyricism in, in the Brummie accent that kind of bleeds through into our writing. Um, specifically, my, my second novel was set mainly in a park, and and it was a thinly disguised Cannon Hill Park. Uh, that was my book, uh, Wildlife. And while researching that, I spent uh, a couple of days camped out overnight in Cannon Hill Park, which was a pretty terrifying, pretty terrifying experience. I imagine possibly not as bucolic <laughs> as camping normally is. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love Cannon Hill Park, but it's just amazing that at four o'clock in the morning, you kind of hear rustling in the bushes and you're actually hoping it's a wild animal. <laughs> <laughs> and the literature scene in, in, uh, in Birmingham, is that something that you, is, is that 
Is that, does that exist? Have I just made that up? No, not at all. Um, writing West Midlands, uh, a, a kind of charity based uh, over at the Custard Factory, are a, a fantastic organisation for joining the dots between kind of Brummy writers and beyond, kind of writers all over the West Midlands. Um, I was actually on their Room 204 mentoring scheme sort of three, three, four years ago. And that was a fantastic experience. And I, I, I made some lifelong friends amongst writers there. And obviously, and I think you've had some of them on your show, you've kind of had uh, Jonathan Coe, who's, who's obviously a legendary Brummy writer. There's Jim Crace as well. So there's some real kind of luminaries of, of fiction have come out of Birmingham. I, I, think, I think Birmingham is a, is a fantastic place to live as, as, a, as a writer. Uh, that was the final part of our interview with Liam Brown, talking about his novel Broadcast, which gets the Brum Radio book thumbs up, I believe. Well, probably likes is probably what we should say. You know, I've done a, like a YouTube type thing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get you now, I get you. Oh, it's fantastic. That was um, so. That was fantastic. Um, really good to have him on the show. Mm. Uh, thank you very much for that, Liam. And. Um, Available from all good bookshops. Yep, it's published by uh, Legend Press, and uh, you, you can get that book now. Mm. So, our next uh, element of the show, before we uh, do our uh, debut review, is uh, Blogspot. And this month we've got uh, Valio Reardon from Bookmunch, uh, from the Bookmunch blog, and she's going to be talking about the new releases she's looking forward to, and um, perhaps maybe you'll get some ideas for Christmas gifts too. Valerie O'Reardon. I'm one of the co-editors of Book Munch, a literary book review site. And I've come on the programme today just to chat about a handful of books that I'm really excited about that have just been released or that are about to be released. First up is Jennifer Egan's Manhattan Beach. Egan, if you haven't heard of her before, is an American writer. Um, She's written novels and short story collections. She is really adept at turning her hand to all kinds of different genres. She's written a gothic novel. She's written a meditation on identity in the fashion industry. And A Visit from the Goon Squad was a collection of interlinked stories that was part science fiction, really, and also included a story told via PowerPoint slides. So she is pretty versatile. Manhattan Beach is her first historical novel. Um, It opens in Brooklyn during the Great Depression. It's set then throughout the 30s and 40s. And it is about a child, later a woman, whose father uh, goes missing. And it so it's a family story, but it partly um, looks at organised crime and kind of class clashes in America at the time. I managed to not get a review copy of this because my fellow editor Pete nabbed that one. So cheers, Pete. I can't wait to read his review, which will be out very soon. And I really can't wait to read the book itself. While Egan is a literary writer, her books are enormously accessible and entertaining and funny. And I think they will have a very, very broad appeal to readers who are maybe more of a fan of more commercially oriented fiction, as well as people who are like full on literary fans. And the next one I'm looking forward to is probably more of a niche text. It's called The White Book and it's by a South Korean writer called Han Kang. Uh, Kang's most famous book, or famous is maybe relative, but her most well-known book hitherto is called The Vegetarian and that won the Man Booker International Prize a couple of years ago. And it is an incredibly strange book about a woman who becomes a vegetarian and her marriage collapses and it's all about a very claustrophobic domestic situation. And it looks like The White Book is following on this tradition of a rather um, intense, unsettling read. The narrator of the book finds herself haunted by the story of her older sister who died um, just a couple of hours after being born. So the novel is the story of a haunting, really. The younger sister exploring the story of the older sister that never was and the white in the title, the white book, refers to the various objects that she kind of wraps that narrative around. So the a baby swaddling sheet that became a shroud, the breast milk she never got to drink, and obviously the blank page upon which the narrator is transcribing her thoughts. So it is probably not a comfortable read to curl up with in front of the fire with um, a mug of hot chocolate, but I would imagine it's a lingering read. And if it's anything like The Vegetarian, it will be very powerful. So I'm pretty psyched about that, though possibly I will be very delighted to then turn to Manhattan Beach for a slightly more regular read directly afterward. The third book that I'm looking forward to is a 
non-fiction text. It's called We Were Eight Years in Power, An American Tragedy, and it is by Tanahisi Coates. Coates is best known for his book Between the World and Me, which is a meditation on America's racial history and the echoes of that in the present day. And it's told in the form of a letter from Coates to his young son. It's an incredibly moving, articulate and powerful text. So I'm looking forward to reading this latest one. So We Were Eight Years in Power explores the Obama years in America. So it's kind of a state of the nation look at America during the better part of a decade in which Obama was in power and how his presidency shaped the national and international conversation around politics and race and equality and power. And obviously now in America, we're in a vastly different situation with Trump. So Coates's analysis of Obama's era and its legacy should be really interesting. And if his earlier work is anything to go by, I think he will do a brilliant job at drawing from kind of history and politics and cultural studies and so on to give a very new nuanced, multifaceted view of the the situation. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm making more forays into nonfiction these days and Coates is a truly outstanding writer. So the final book that I'm going to talk about is the one that I'm most excited about and it is called The Unforeseen and it's by an Irish writer called Dorothy McArdle. McArdle is not a contemporary writer though. She actually died in the 1950s but this book has been put out by Tramp Press. Now Tramp run a series called Recovered Voices so every year they read issue an out of print text that they think is uh, very deserving of contemporary audience. And a couple of years ago, they released McArdle's book, The Uninvited, which was a very creepy story that was first published in 1942 and was um, adapted into a kind of successful Hollywood movie in the in the mid 40s. So that's The Uninvited. So now The Unforeseen is the follow up to that. So again, this one is a ghost story. It has been compared to Shirley Jackson's work. So if you like Jackson, you'll love this. And if you haven't read Shirley Jackson, you totally need to get out there and read some Shirley Jackson. She is outstanding. And this book should be just as outstanding and I can't wait to read it. And I hope you guys all read it too. And, you know, while you're at it, read all of the books that Trump are putting out because they are doing sterling work. And this is the one that I think will be my Christmas read for the year because there is nothing like the Christmas season for reading some creepy ghost stories. That was Valerie O'Reardon from Bookmunch. Uh, and uh, talking uh, all about literary fiction. Thank you very much for that, Valerie. Um, please check out her blog, um, or the, the book, book, book blog, blog. and uh, of course all the other blogs that we mention. Next up, we've got Catherine. <laughs> so lame. Sounded like I was drowning. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I was putting your theme tune on anyway, so you got bl- oh, blasted good, out. Hi, Mike. Blake. Hello. Um, so, what book have we got this month? Um, um, this month I will be talking about Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. Fantastic. I have been looking forward to this because I, I, it got really well reviewed. And yeah. um, it's, uh, it's also got um, a little bit of a blurb there from a uh, friend of the show, Luke Kennard. It has, yeah. Um, so, uh, Someone obviously wrote him a letter. Please, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah. Yeah, it comes garlanded with praise from lots of um, brilliant people. And she, Sally Rooney, is obviously yet another one of these annoying, young, brilliant Irish writers like uh, Colin Barrett and perhaps a little less young, but Kevin Barry and Lisa McInerney. There's just so many uh, great writers coming uh, coming out of Ireland at the moment. But um, anyway, this one is... Um, so it's told from the point of view of... Uh, the main character is called Frances, and she's a student in Dublin. Um, and um, it centres around her friendship with Bobby, who's her best friend, and they've got this really fierce friendship, which she's kind of founded on rigorous intellectual interrogations of capitalism and gender and <laughs> politics and art you know these are the conversations with friends of the title you know they think about everything they question everything they have a position on everything they are not slackers you know yeah. um they met at school and they were once lovers but now they're friends and as well as being sort of students they perform the poetry that francis writes at various poetry nights around dublin to some acclaim um, we only ever see Bobby through the lens of, of Frances and she's 
portrayed as the brilliant one. She's very abrasive and intelligent and absolutely sure of her position on everything. Whereas Frances, who we get to know from the inside, is much less sure of herself. And you see that lots of times uh, the things that she says are interpreted as brilliant and ironic when perhaps she never intended them that way. She's just kind of, um, she's very self-conscious and has a lot of uncertainty. So anyway, at one of these poetry nights, they meet Melissa, who's an older, uh, more established writer and photographer who ends up doing a profile about them in her magazine. And through her, the, her husband, Nick, who's a fairly famous actor and who gets referred to as handsome every few pages. It's really important to know what these handsome keys like this. And this is the start of a bit of a kind of menage a quatre where um, Bobby and Melissa are kind of infatuated with each other. They both think each other is great. And Nick and Francis embark on an actual affair. Um, and the affair is really problematic for Francis because she's someone who's used to intellectualising and being guarded about everything and putting on a certain face. And she finds herself kind of falling in love with this problematic, cliched, married older man. You know what I mean? That's, that's yeah. just like the worst possible scenario for her. Um, and the book is is really brilliant on the sort of terrifying vulnerability of falling in love and the kind of power imbalances and that sort of balance between protecting yourself and abandoning yourself. Um, I mean, I should say at first, when I first started reading it, I thought, oh, this is this is all going to be people having very intellectual conversations and being brittle with each other. And I found it slightly, slightly cold at first, but soon I really was swept along by it. It's very, um, it's very honest and it's very moving. Um, it's not, it's not a climactic kind of book, I should say. If 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 Mike, you ask me for my standout scene, <laughs> I will as always disappoint you because there isn't really a standout scene. There's no shattering denouement or, or life-changing revelations things kind of stop and start and start again um and all those kind of expectations you might have based on countless novels and films about adultery are slightly wrong-footed because there are betrayals and revelations here but they're quite nuanced and ambivalent and they're believable rather than just feeling like plot um stock plot sort of elements um yeah the characters are really rich and complex the key the key line i guess comes towards the end of the book i think it's at the very end of the book where it says Francis says, you live through certain things before you understand them. You can't always take the analytical position. And I guess that's kind of at the heart of it, that there's this whole experience she goes through that she can't, she's just terrified by because she can't analyse it or understand why, how she feels or what she feels. I'm not sure, I was thinking about that, I'm not sure you ever can analyse some things. I think they remain unknowable forever. Mm. But I think it's a really, um, yeah, it's ultimately a really moving book. Don't like the cover, but that's you know that's my. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because uh, when I when I first saw it, I, I I sort of in my head I sort of made that link with the, that Lisa Robbins book. Um, oh, you're not going out. That's it. Yeah, not yeah. working. Not working. Not, sorry, not working. That's it. Yeah. Um, and um, the Lee Mac sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, has he got a similar sort of vibe or not? I mean, I mean, I suppose I'm just thinking that they're novels written by young women. Yeah. Uh, about yeah. their lives now. Sort of, um, they're kind of different because the um, not working is all about that sense of purposelessness and um, wasting your life looking at YouTube and the fripperies of modern existence, really. Um, and it's at a slightly sort of lighter level, whereas this is much more sort of rigorous, intellectual, sort of like, but right. you know, how do you feel about communism? What's what you know, it's kind of it's, it's more. Um, the characters are engaging with the issues of the day in a different way, I'd say. Yeah. But um, so yeah, not 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 so similar really. But um, yeah, very good. And the, the other thing I was thinking is again with with just thinking about debut novels and why certain books get published and others don't. Yeah. What, what do you think there was about this book that made the editor picked up and just thought, yeah, this is something we're going to take a punt on? Um, I think. Her writing is is great. Her style is it's quite flat, and you know, it, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things where when people are sort of having uh, crappy creative writing uh, lessons, it's always like show don't tell. Whereas she pretty much tells throughout. It's all like so. We had a conversation about this, and he said that, and I said that. It's not even yeah. often you don't even get the direct dialogue. It's just reported speech. But it it's brilliant. It's just this very kind of it's quite a flat and adorned style with you know occasional kind of more sort of writerly flourishes. But um, 
there's something very crystalline about it, very clear and um, sort of dazzling. And I think, you know, I was reading about the author, apparently she was um, either the world champion or the European champion debater when she was at college. So I think she's probably brilliant. You know, she sort of did that. She sort of dominated the world in debating for years. Then she thought, I want to write a novel now. And she wrote this novel, which is really brilliant as well. So I think she's kind of just a pretty staggeringly impressive person. Uh, a novel, or as we're now calling it, uh, a 60,000-word um, Facebook post. <laughs> um, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. So that's uh, uh, Conversation with Friends by Sally Rooney, uh, and that's um, available from Faber and Faber. Well, it's out now. So we are coming right up against the end of the show. Just time oh, to, no. uh, to see what everyone is, is reading at the moment. Um Becca, are you, what are you, what are you uh, recommending for us? Um, well, obviously, I, I'm reading The Silent Companions, which is fantastic, oh, which course, you mentioned. Started, yeah. But I'm also about to start The Boy Made of Snow by Chloe Mayer. Uh, it just looks to be a beautifully evocative novel, all about a mother and son who are stranded in the country with the shadow of the Second World War sort of hanging over them when they meet a young German prisoner of war. And it's all the story goes from there. Looks, it's had great, great praise, and I'm really excited to start that. So, Silent Companions finished, The Boy Made of Snow is the next one. <laughs> Uh, and I myself, um, uh, this is Blake, is I've just started, I've just finished that House of Spines I was talking about. I've just started reading um, Paul, one of Paul Beatty's back catalogue. Paul Beatty, of course, uh, winning all the plaudits for the sellout. Uh, of course, he's been on the show as well. Uh, he has. Um, and uh, I'm reading one of his earlier works, Slumberland, which I haven't got enough into to comment on yet. Um, his, his stuff is often described as sort of laugh out loud, kind of funny. Um, and I haven't laughed out loud, um, but I so rarely do. I mean, who, who does? Uh, I, I have. And, and I think that that's one of the things that um, I really like about books is, is that when you find a book that really genuinely tickles you, it's just such a fantastic feeling. Um, that, uh, I remember reading um, Clive James's um, uh, Falling Towards England and just laughing out constantly. He's just got such an amazing way with words and paints these pictures that really make uh, you he, cry. I've just read um, Clive James's um, Play All, which is about sort of the joy of watching box sets. Yeah. And, and, it, and that, again, is brilliant. You know, yeah. After all these years, he's still can just find new ways to express things that you think, well, you know, that's surely everyone's already expressed that every possible way, and he finds a new a new angle on it. Fantastic. What about you, Mike? What you um, I'm reading. Uh, oh, was it Eleanor Oliphant? Is okay. Oh yeah, fancy that. Right. So, um, I mean, it, it's the biggest selling debut of the year. Uh, over a hundred thousand copies sold in hardback, and um, so I. I my wife bought it actually, and uh, so I, I, I thought to myself, right, I'm going to give this a go. So I haven't actually started it, but it, it's I've, I've decided to give it a break with the um, terrible thrillers for a little while, although I suspect that they will be back. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to give that a go, but I'm really looking forward to it because a lot of people that I, whose opinion I respect have have had a lot of good things to say about it. Oh, How about you, Kat? Um, well, I'm sort of rather tediously. Uh, the one I'm going to mention is the Andrew Michael Hurley book, which I'm really looking forward to. I haven't started it yet, but uh, that's that's the one that is, is next on my pile. Well, metaphorical pile. I don't actually own it uh, to read. <laughs> um, but I was going to sort of say, rather than a book, I was going to just give a, a plug for a bookshop, if that was oh, all yeah, right. Because, means, yeah. I mean, it's a very famous bookshop, but I was up in... Um, Waterstone. Yeah, yeah, well, Waterstone, <laughs> obviously. They get, they, get, they get enough plugs here. Um I was up in um, near Bradford at half term and went to Saltaire. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like you know um, one of those Victorian uh, oh, yeah. towns yeah. that built the big mill and then he built a little t- uh, village. Isn't there a um, who, who is it? Some David Hockney. David Hockney uh, exhibition. Sort of, yeah, retrospective is there all the time. But there's um, one of those bookshops there in the mill that is just such a marvelous bookshop. Even though I've been there several times now, they have never had one of my books. And I, I you know, I, don't, I try not to take that personally. I hold it against them. But it's just a br- it's one of those bookshops where 
I found myself standing for ages looking at a biography of Cyril Regis. I have no interest in Cyril Regis or, or football, but it's the kind of bookshop that pulls you to books you would never mm. normally look at. And so, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I feel I feel a, a regular sort of section coming up called my favourite bookshop. Mm. Yeah. Um, we should well, definitely do some things. In Birmingham, you haven't got much choice, unfortunately. <laughs> we, have, we have only got the one uh, in the whole of Birmingham, but um, yeah. it's a very big one and a very, and a very good one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, no, that's. A, 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 I went to a nice one in. Uh, in a place in Wales recently that, <laughs> that, that this was a great anecdote I should have planned a little bit more um, but yeah. Welsh bookshop news alert yeah. <laughs> yes alright I'll go there yeah. <laughs> sorry everyone um, ok well I think um, we have coming up to the end of the show it's been a fantastic show uh, a huge thank you to Becca for coming in thank you uh, you are the best Stuart <laughs> that we have ever had uh, a huge thank you to Catherine oh thank you <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, as always, uh, a big thumbs up to Blake, who basically masterminds this and makes sure it all happens and that we turn up. And uh, that, that's it. And a huge thank you to you for listening. Um, it, you've been absolutely great. Don't forget, you can uh, listen to us again on the uh, as a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, on the broadcast, uh, on Mixcloud. That's right. Um, we're on lots of platforms. Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, and I'm soon going to have a chip implanted in my head uh, and stream my thoughts 24-7. Which what do you mean this show isn't it? I think, <laughs> I think the pressing thing about that is you, you, you know, I would, no one would listen, no one would watch it. And it would be, I'd be transmitting it out into the silence and no oh, one would care. You, you say that, I, I'd listen. Okay. Mine my, my would just be, mm, not interested in poetry. Not interested in poetry. <laughs> this, Still this, not interested in poetry. This crime novel is disappointing me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you've been, a, you've been a great audience and it's been a great show. Uh, Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website will go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.